0: Sport Calgary members have access to resources such as marketing on social media, blog entries, features, and placement on the events listing. Become a member. It's easy and free. Visit www.sportcalgary.ca slash members. Hey, kids. (laughs) That's actually, that's important. Hey, kids. Welcome to the original Six Feet Conversation podcast hosted by Sport Calgary. I'm your friend, your podcast host, I am Rob Kerr. I am glad you can spend some time with us. I hope you have enjoyed um, the podcasts we have dropped so far that made available so far. If you uh, are just picking this up for the first time because you're a fan of our guest today, uh, then you should go back and listen to them. Uh, really, really cool. Um, I love it. It's very Calgary, it's very Calgary-based, it's Calgary Stories, it's Calgary Sport, it's Calgary People. Yeah, we talk a little bit about what's going on, we can't deny it, but we're also talking about some issues, but boy, we're, we're introducing you to some really cool people. Uh, friends of mine, which is really neat too. We, we've been able to open up the Rolodex um, and have some really neat conversations with some really neat people um, just to kind of bring the, the community together. I think in in this time with everything that's going on, um, you know, I I try to avoid the specifics because this is supposed to be the distraction. I'm I'm of the belief that uh, when, you know, at its height, professional sports in particular, professional sports are intended to be that distraction from the real life trials and tribulations that we go through. And right now I'd say we're all going through some trials and tribulations. So uh, I think uh, I'm hoping we're checking that box for you that when you can. Tune into the podcast. Uh, once we get into the meat of it, uh, you can lie, lose yourself a little bit and uh, maybe learn a, f- a few things or hear something or smile or chuckle. That, that's what we're trying to do. So I appreciate you uh, being part of this journey with us. Today is really cool. Um, full disclosure, ha-ha-ha, <laughs> here's that word again, full disclosure. Friend of mine, um, a guy that I, I just I, I think he is um, on the cutting edge, Um he is a Olympic champion, but not of our country, but chooses to live in our city. Oh, it's a great story. Our friend Peter Labardius, uh, of course, who we had on the program and is uh, Canada's biggest fan, uh, I think he would even agree uh, that Steve Messler is uh, somebody we should be proud to call a Calgarian. Uh, he won gold with the U.S. in bobsleigh in 2010, uh, the night train team. We might even get into that. We might. But I think the coolest thing about Steve Messler is Classroom Champions, uh, a vision uh, that he and his sister came up with uh, about 11 years ago now and has turned into be this incredible educational portal for teachers all across North America, in particular in remote locations, to use Olympic and in some cases pro athletes as mentors in their classroom to talk about leadership, to talk about uh, about uh, goal setting, uh, all the things that make champions, but to bring them into the schoolroom. And, and Classroom Champions has done that uh, in an amazing, awesome way. Um, they have just, well, let Steve explain it. They've just made a huge investment and a huge step. Um, the timing of this conversation is kind of interesting too. Um, but if you haven't checked it out, and, and if you're one of those people, you're two screening or you're listening and you got a minute, you're not, you know, maybe it's coffee break time. Go to classroomchampions.org and check it out. And what's cool about this is, again, they work with the Buffalo Bills. They're in Quebec. They're in, the, you know, the Northwest Territories. Uh, but they are based out of Calgary. They use a lot of local athletes as mentors, a lot of Olympians. And I'm going to step out of the way and let my friend Steve Messler kind of explain that to you, and then we're going to talk about his journey, because I think he's uh, he is part of the fabric of Calgary in a way that, yes, we're in Alberta and in Canada, and yes, we're the home of, of Team Canada in so many ways, and the Olympics and those types of things, but we're also big enough to have friends from other nations here. We're, we're also big enough to celebrate our neighbors' achievements, sometimes even when it means not waving the maple leaf at the top of the podium. At least I think we can. Um, and we'll get into whether or not he's a bobsledder or a bobslayer. We'll, we'll get into that that conversation too. I uh, just want to take this opportunity to remind you that Sport Calgary is a volunteer-based nonprofit society guided by a deep love of sport and a mission to help sport grow in our city. Buckle up, kids! Uh, it's Steve Messler next, and you you got right to the end. This is a long one. We're in it. We're in it to win it. Uh, but it's a long one, and it's worth your time uh, as we spend a little time with an Olympic gold medalist. doesn't matter now i've hit start so we're okay. committed to this All um right. okay first place we got to start is w- this is a podcast so we can't do the news of the day stuff but give me a little sense steve of what the last couple of weeks has been like for you
1: um you know i mean for us it's been this are you know classroom champions like we you know we are actually like we're a virtual organization, yeah. So, you know, for us, it's been interesting because, like, this is what this is what we do. <laughs> uh, we we connect kids virtually with you know their heroes, so and then support teachers virtually. So, and you know, seventy percent of our team lives outside of Calgary anyway. Um, so we have a you know a small team in the office. There's five or six folks in the office, and then the rest of the the rest of the most folks are are out and about. Whether it's up in Cold Lake or in Vancouver or down in the states. So from our team's perspective, really a change for a few of us here in Calgary, but we're still communicating with everybody on the outside the same way. So, I mean, that's from a professional standpoint, from a personal standpoint, the, um, you know, working from your basement or, you know, our daughter who, you know, gets confused because the kid's down the street, like, and she's two and a half. So she, you know, she understands enough, like, playing with other kids. And when she sees other kids and, you know, they you know, they're a little older and they're instructed that we're just, like, not hanging out with other kids right now. Um, so that's that's been probably the hardest thing is, like, to watch her. She certainly doesn't understand, which is good. Um, yeah, she doesn't understand. But at the same time, like, that's what I'm sure all of us are going for, right? Like, going with, like, you know, the we are sitting out there yesterday playing with my daughter on the front lawn, and, you know, a woman was walking down the street, and she had her dog with her, and she, like, crossed the street, and she said, oh, you know, just... I like didn't want to scare her, but, you know, it's okay, actually. We all need to kind of give some space. And I think we, you know, I think that's going to be the, for me, that's an adjustment to happen, which is like that behavior change and then just kind of making that okay. Because we used to avoid people that we didn't want to see. Right. You know, <laughs> we're, we're used to avoiding people that we didn't want to see. We were used to, like, walking far away from people we're scared of or that, whatever, and
0: yep. and
1: kind of acknowledging that that's okay, I think, is going to be, like, something that I've been struggling with but wrapping my head around.
0: Yeah, I you would you raised something that i i had never even given any thought are you maybe the most prepared group for this in the sense of remote is what you do and you that's your technology right that's where you work i mean we've
1: had yes like i think from a certainly from the service providers in calgary and understanding that only you know fiber Five percent of our service is actually here in the Calgary. Five or ten percent of us. and we have some amazing things we do um, with CB with some schools in CBE, but um, generally, most of our work is across the continent, and we are literally situated for this anyway. So yeah. it doesn't change our impact. Um, you know, we've got to adjust right now while there's no school, and we're changing our things over into family materials. But we're also what we're also looking at is like, how do we use the technology we have and the methodology we have to help. And right. I think that's been the most powerful thing that I've noticed is you have all these sports programs and organizations and now they're they're cre- starting to like create digital materials well they don't know how to create digital materials they're sport and they're getting kids to do things and, and then they want to create you know they want to create video content for kids but then what do you how are you gonna get it to people how are you gonna how are you gonna give it to parents other than like letting your kid on your social media account or you know then you have to build a website for that? Uh, but we're only going to build a website for three months, six months, like a, like a content site. So what we've, you know, we've been talking to, to very large organizations, both in the U S and Canada of saying like, how can we use this brand new platform that we literally launched, you know, launching in early, we launched it in early February and we were supposed to do it South by Southwest (laughs) in Austin. Um, and we wound up doing it from our homes on the internet, um, and I think that that's the, like right now we are in a position, classroom champions is in a really, really unique position to help. Since we have the experience, we have the infrastructure, we just put a half million dollars plus into a brand new, brand new platform. Kind of like, you know, imagine if like, imagine those charities out there right now, or those organizations out there who just built a building to be a shelter or built a building for kids to come play or built a building for mentorship. Right. And all of a sudden that building is empty and that, Bill is still there for the mortgage on that, or the bank note, or whatever it is. Um, we, you know, we we put half a million dollars into a digital infrastructure that is our house, that is our building, and that building now is something that we can we can bring people into the rooms, and we can you know add add floors to the top of it at this point since we already have the floor, since we already have the footprint.
0: You mentioned South by Southwest. I, I have to credit you a little bit because the ongoing conversation about your participation in that was kind of the first thing that really struck me i mean we knew of what was going on overseas we knew that there was something not right we knew that there was a you know potential for a, a strain of a virus but the fact you were sharing on social media that you weren't going to be able to go kind of hit home for me um can you just talk about what the the plan was and and you know how big a blow was it not to be able to participate
1: You know, I mean, it was an easy – the decision was difficult at first, and then it became easier, just like all these other decisions became easy, right? Like, you're working from home now, and two weeks ago, that was a really difficult decision. Do I – you know, how would it look? What would it feel like? And then it became an easy decision. So, for me, I think the – and you and I have talked about this over the years, and really – comes from my experiences with custom champions and, but also from a risk perspective, it came from my under, my experiences with the Olympic committee yeah. in the UF where I've seen this, I had seen this before and not clearly a pandemic, but I'd seen the, the risk curve and you can, you know, anytime you go through, anytime you go through like traumatic experiences, you learn, right? Like right. you're scarred, you, you know, somebody raises their hand and you, and you flinch because you know what's coming next. And I think what I what I've learned over the years is whether it be some of the decisions that you know maybe took too long um, amongst a large you know bureau, bureaucratic organization like the U.S. United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, or um, where you know we just we, we failed to act quick enough. And I think we're, we've seen that now with the IOC, they've they've they started to act quick enough um, at one point, at the very least. Um, You know, and I think so that when it came to South by Southwest and us not going, that was like, this was a three-year strategic plan for us. (laughs) (laughs) This was the, literally, that was the culmination of a three-year strategic plan where we were going to be like changing or evolving the way that we did our work. And that was the launch of it, was in Austin on the stage with one of our American Paralympic silver medalists and a teacher from Phoenix and myself on a panel And announcing this, and and you know, working at the trade show with with the you know program and with the the digital software, and then that went away, and like it devastated our team. Yeah. Uh, And when I told them we couldn't go, for them they didn't quite like they had a hard time with it. It was, but they trusted. But I mean, we have enough trust in the organization that they trusted me that like it was about the it was about their health. Like, and also I really honestly at that point didn't think it was going to happen.
0: You mentioned a couple of minutes ago about kind of, if I heard you correctly, maybe switching gears and, and putting out less uh, classroom, more family.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Tell I mean, me we, about.
0: Yeah, Are we breaking news, Steve? Is that what we're doing? Are we breaking news?
1: <laughs> we we are. I mean, we, like we built this thing again, part of the three-year strategic plan was build curriculum better for teachers in schools And like we built classroom champions on the top 5% of teachers out there. Like the teachers who have been doing classroom champions for a decade have been amazing. They were they had to apply, do other things. And we really wanted to make it for more, make it more accessible for the teacher who just is new, or the teacher who, you know, just didn't have the ability to prep that day, but they still wanted to put, like, improve the mental health of their students and improve the, the you know, the grit, resilience of their students. So we, now what we've done is, the good news is that's there, the infrastructure's there. Now we just have to kind of reformat some of it for parents. We have to reformat it. Reformat some of it for just kids who will interact with it more. So, because again, it was it's built to be part of a classroom structure yep. and curriculum environment, not necessarily like a kid on an iPad <laughs> at home. Um, but we're but we're working on that, and then we're working with others who are just like family and parents specifically. We've always done a little bit and supported them in that way, but it was never like a like a skill set of ours. It was something that we did to you know get extra materials home to have the conversation. Now it's actually we're talking about the learning to help parents guide that.
0: Will your athlete mentors be part of this programming?
1: They are. I mean, they're yes. And like, you know, we're, we're now doing, uh, you know, starting on, you know, starting, you know, back on March 23rd, we, we started classroom champions live, uh, which was meant for, because we were hearing from from families and parents, like I got to get my kids moving and I got to do things. And we know that again, kids are motivated, motivated by athletes. So, you know, we've got, olympians and paralympians and you know pro players hopping on to do stuff with kids and then what we want to do is get more folks onto more folks onto you know the, our classroom champions site so that they can use you know use and we open it up for free you know yeah like we we i mean this was we open it up like we open it up because that's what needed to be done right now and all you got to do all people need that right now is an email to do it and you know this is something that's usually firewall for schools but right now it's more important
0: than that. So give us a comparison. Um, the the types of things a classroom champions does with kids and, and your athlete mentors, that's what it's it's I don't and I don't want to be too broad, but it's things like goal setting and and kind of athletic competitive concepts of real life. Right. Yeah. So what what's this going to look like? Is it going to be the same types of lesson? It's
1: going to be the same things. Yeah. It's going to be the same things. Uh, it goal setting, perseverance, leadership, leadership, um, Community, the importance of that emotions, um, dealing with your emotions, how you deal with that. Like athletes are great at all of those things. Feedback, right. how do you take feedback? Uh, same, same concepts, and just trying to find ways to make it, <laughs> trying to find ways to make it stickier at home. And you know, we'll be good at some things, and we'll be, <laughs> we'll, we'll be, you know, not as good at other things. But you know, I know that we're gonna. Our team just works so hard. Like, you know, everybody was going through is going through like stress at home and figuring out how you juggle work with two parents and or how you just handle the stress of like a couple living together or by or living by yourself right like we all of those people at Classroom Champions working across the continent and you know they're at home dealing with these things yet at the same time they're finding their way to to get their work done which has like been so impressive to me.
0: So and I I apologize because I did not know this going in I guess how would I have but <laughs> I'm, how did you pivot so quickly how were you able cuz the decision not to, you know the decision to show the new classroom champions platform yeah. at, at South by Southwest was only made a couple of weeks ago yeah. right so this is I mean, this is a pretty monumental pivot isn't it um well the good again we yes like the good news is
1: again are we have built an infrastructure that supported sure, it sure sure like, so it's like, I mean, it's like, I'm trying to use the find the sports analogy, but like we, we'd already built this thing that we, if if we were a year ago, we wouldn't have been really been able to help. Right. Like we would not have been able to help. Yeah. But you know, today, today we can. Um, and you know, I think we're, we're also, there's not many folks, there's nobody who really did, did what we did from like a connection standpoint. And we're going to have to figure that one out. hmm as well and figure out what the cohorts look like as opposed to classrooms or schools. Um, what are cohorts of groups of kids at home look like? Right. Um, we're going to, you know, our team is working on that and figuring that out and hope, you know what, hopefully we don't have to do that for that long. Sure. But, uh, we just don't, you know, we just don't know. So yeah, I mean, but uh, to answer your question, how do we pivot so quickly? I think because our team is amazing. Like I can't say that enough, like, because our folks are just, they want to do good things. And they know that they have this vehicle at Classroom Champions, and they have these athletes here, and they know that the outcome is help kids. So whether we're doing that through school, whether they're doing that through mentorship programs, or whether they're doing that through something new, we're we're always going to the same spot, um, and they kind of focus on that.
0: Yeah, but I think you're – you know, it's funny. You're struggling for a sports example, and I'm struggling for a sports example. It, to me, in many ways, it seems like, well, we're a professional sports team. Ah, now we're going to play individual sports. You, you know what I mean? That That's almost what it feels like, right? It's almost like – yeah, I mean, I think it's more of like we're a fun-and-gun offense,
1: and now we're going to be a grind-away yeah. grind at running game. Okay. Like, I think that's more of the – it's not quite a different sport. It's not even – it's just like – yeah, we're we're just going to we are like and because the, the goal there was to score a touchdown and before we were fun and gun and now we're yeah. like just you know hard nose.
0: Yeah. So that that is are we allowed to take pride in you as a Calgary company or do we have to share you?
1: We are a Calgary company.
0: Okay. Well, They're you right. said before there's like 5%. Well.
1: well, well, well our impact 5% of our our impact is here, but I mean, most of our energy companies 0% of their impact is here. Yeah. Um, or their or their work. Right. Uh, yeah. Their, like their actual physical work. So, but they're based here in Calgary. So for us, like, yeah, 5% of our stuff here is here in Calgary. Um, probably 20%, 30% of it, 20%, yeah, probably a good 20%, 15%, 20% is across the province. Um, but like the headquarters is here, the, um, you know, the finances run through Calgary, the jobs, the ex, like we do have, I mean, we have six, five or six you know, staff members here in town, six staff members now, now here in town, um, but then we also have... Um, you know, a bunch of contractors in the area that do other work for us. So, like, pro- like I'm super proud that we're, you know, in Calgary. And for us, we're, you know, we're going to look at, like, what does dollar, dollar exchanges look like? How are, how are all those things going to impact our business? Yeah. Um, but I also am optimistic that, like, Calgary will see, as, see us as a way to impact the world because people are going to, you know, we here in Calgary in over the last few years have been tough in Calgary and in Alberta, um, and we want to have, everybody wants to help here. And I think everybody's going to come. want, going to want to continue to help here, here. But I also think that we as Calgarian and see that we're just as fragile as anywhere else in the world. I think that's going to also like economically, yes, but mm-hmm. also just like, physically, we are as fragile as the Italians who are in lockdown and sure. the Chinese who went through it. Like we are physically as fragile as that. And I think that's going to help connect the world. If I had to be an optimist, which I generally am, um, you know, we're all going to feel a little bit more connected because all of a sudden now we're all, this isn't war in the South Sudan. It is the other side of the planet. This isn't anything else. Like this isn't, um, you know, this isn't a problem that's going to reach us in 50 years. This is like a today problem for everybody.
0: But I just don't. And and that's part of why I'm looking so much forward to having this journey and these conversations is you and I've talked before we've been on the radio and we've done this before, but I'm still not sure people appreciate what is going on in our own backyard? And and there's a lot done, to, to, a lot of layers to this. But one, I mean, you're a group that works with the Buffalo Bills, right? But on the same token, Akeem Haynes here in town does stuff for you. Like it, it it's it, you truly are kind of a, a you know nationwide or I guess continental wide company out of Calgary.
1: We have we I mean we have we have you know we have materials going on a new platform in Spanish that athletes from the Guatemalan Olympic Committee and Paralympic Committee are doing for us. <laughs> uh, you know, four kids in, that are speaking Spanish in the, you know, in the U S we're, you know, we have, you know, speed skaters from out in, you know, Quebec doing, uh, you know, doing things in French. We've got Tessa virtue hosting live chats as we partner with the Canadian Olympic committee and the Canadian Paralympic committee. Right. So we get hundreds of thousands of kids involved, like, and we're all doing that out of Calgary. And I, I, I you know, I want Calgarians, especially in today's world. Like I want us to be really proud that like we grew something in Calgary that like, it started in my basement where I am back to right now um, <laughs> you know, for better or for worse. It's cold down here. I forgot. How, I forgot. We used to have a space heater down here, um, you know, and then we moved over into assembly in Kensington into the shared working space and had like one of those cube aquariums. And then we moved to, uh, you know, to, you know, the old Gemini building on, uh, you know, fifth Avenue and eighth street. And then Gemini went under and we got kicked out and then we, you know, then, you know, Oh, some energy took us into the, one of their, one of their places um, and an Oxford has picked us up and um, so it has been a team now we're there and we're well and now we're back to our homes. <laughs> so.
0: Well and, and I think it's, it's it's to me speaks to the value of Calgary as a sports city because we're going to get into it. You and I are going to talk about some stuff. but you're a kid from Buffalo who has won been at the highest in his sport representing team USA, yet here you are in Calgary and stayed. And-
1: Never lived that down
0: either. No, but that speaks to the city a little bit, doesn't it? it? In in, in the sense that it's welcoming and somebody like yourself feels like, hey, this is a good enough place to start.
1: You've got guys like Jason Zarin, um, you know, who owns the main dish and owns Fit Kitchen now. Um, Everybody go to Fit Kitchen, support support your local businesses um, and get some good food, get some great food. Um, But, um, you know, when I was an athlete here, like he didn't ask if I was American or Canadian. He sponsored me. Yeah. And like, I lived at the bed dish basically. Cause I got, you know, a few hundred dollars a month in food. Uh, you know, you've got guys like Craig Sinek who has become a best friend who, you know, who's over at Moore financial and like they, they have supported classroom champions for like, they do events, the Barney Bentall event, Barney Bentall comes here and it's mm-hmm. on a show for us with Craig and, you know, it's Crescent, you know, Crescent Point was our first Crescent Point Energy based here in Calgary. They were our first corporate sponsor of Classroom Champions internationally. Right. Like any corporate, they were the first corporation who said, yeah, you know what? Like we really think what you guys do makes a difference. And they've been our biggest and longest serving partner. Um, you know, are, shock, You know, shock, I, I'm not doing this to plug sponsors. I'm doing this because I'm saying this is like these are Calgary based yes. businesses that have supported a Calgary based charity. That's not just doing stuff in Calgary. Right that's the, and that's the difference. Like, that's the difference. Um, and that's been a really, that's a testament to like Calgary as like, as much as that, you know, the vote last, was it last year? Time is moving too quickly. Vote last year around not bringing the Olympics here. Um, this is a sports town. It's a, it's an Olympic town, but it's a, but it's a community. And that's like what I really love. It reminds me of Buffalo in those kinds of ways yeah. Where yeah. it just, it's a really good community city.
0: Do we do enough? I mean, you know, you're a, a, a for all intents and purposes, I, I don't know if small, small business, do I call you small business? Because you're more, you're not really a business as much as you are as a charity, right? You're charitable.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean we're a charitable, we're a registered charity. We are a non-profit, yeah. 501c3 nonprofit in the U.S., but at the same time, like, I would rather call charities businesses. Okay. Like, you know, I would, I, I think it's a better place for us all to be. It lets, it lets charities operate in the ways they need to operate to have the best impact, just like... Just like, you know, the Flames are a business that is out there to make the best, put the best hockey team on there. Right. And, um, you know, Apple's there to make the best products. Like, I think if we call, if we can think of charities as businesses that we get to invest in and get a tax receipt and also make a difference in the world, um, like we call our donors investors. Like when when I'm out looking for half a million dollars for to, to build an infrastructure that will reach millions of kids and put hundreds and thousands of athletes in front of millions of kids. Like we see that as an investment with our, with, with our donors. Um, and you know, Calgary has been, Calgary's really, especially the last couple of years, Calgary's really been stepping up for classroom champions. Like it's pretty, it's pretty great to see in that way for,
0: for us. For those who don't know the story, take me back to the beginning because this is a a labor of love for you and a, a very special partner, right?
1: It, it is. I mean, this is my sister and I started this when I was an athlete. Uh, I was I'm where my house is now in Montgomery, like three blocks away. I was sitting on the curb uh, in 2000, August of 2009, going to my last Olympic year. I was living the life that ten-year-old kid. That's just my sister and I would have just thought was amazing. And I was on the phone with my sister who you know, was getting her PhD in education. She is a teacher. Our parents were teachers. I was a teacher, um, and I was we were just lamenting how amazing it was and that my experience was going to be coming to an end and we wanted to make a difference. We wanted to, I was tired of school visits. I was tired of going in, giving a talk and leaving and never seeing those kids again. And that was just something we were going to do my last year going to Vancouver. Um, and then, you know, we wound up having this really great experience of connecting with kids on Skype and I'd send them videos from Austria and all these other random places. And, you know, 10 years later, here we are where like, you know, we've reached millions of kids. We have had hundreds of Olympians, Paralympians, NFL players,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, NCAA athletes, student athletes, um, be a part and, and we're, and we're making a difference. And use, as you know, like yeah, you know makes a difference. Like yeah. grades go up, attendance goes up, behavior issues go down. Um, you know, uh, you know, different, you know, skills like goal setting, perseverance, resilience, um, go up, you know, bullying goes down. So, we did this because we didn't want to just, like, walk into a school, give a talk, and go, oh, if one of those kids, listen, it's worth my time. Um, and, you know, that's where we've got all these athletes. That's why they that's why they show up.
0: So if I could go back to that corner in Montgomery, sit down mm-hmm. next to you, pull out an iPad, which would probably blow your mind. Yeah, uh, I, don't know, I don't know. I can't remember. Maybe there were iPads around uh, there.
1: Right around then, I May, think.
0: But if I pulled one out and showed you what you, you've grown, what you have, is this the vision? Is this what you were thinking?
1: No. No. I like we weren't going to this wasn't even like this was going to be something I did as my last year in sport. And that was it. OK, the only reason we it was not. Yeah, we weren't doing this so we could start an organization. We just did this because it's something she and I wanted to do. And we thought it'd be cool. We <laughs> thought it'd be, we thought it'd be fun. We thought that kids would think it was neat that like this Olympian that we would have thought when we were 10. Right. I would have thought I was I would have thought I was amazing when I was 10. Like my 10 year old self would have been a way bigger fan than like probably my, especially with, like my wife is. So I mean, I like I wouldn't, not, and that would have that was going to be it. And It wasn't until uh, a good buddy of mine named Dave Epstein, who you know Dave wrote the Sports Gene. He wrote, um, you know, he's got he's uh, you know New York Times bestselling author. Range is his current book. Yeah, that's incredible. And Dave was the guy who actually said, you know, this is a better idea than just you. Um, and I was like, thanks, buddy. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, that, yeah, exactly.
0: How am I supposed <laughs> to take this?
1: Yeah. He said, this is a better idea than just you. you should do something with this. And he really pushed us to think, to think about how we could do this. And we decided to start a nonprofit and we had no idea what that meant. We had no idea. Yeah. Um, and then we were gonna, you know, I was going to raise some money and hire somebody and, and sit on the board and then go off and, you know, work in consulting gig. And, um, and so I woke up one day, a few years into that and just said, you know what, I don't want to do that anymore. I like, I want to go do this. Yeah. I want to do the thing that I did from six o'clock at night to midnight, as opposed to working with, you know, clients from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. But sure. I got to meet some incredible people on the way. A woman who was, you know, was the woman that I learned consulting from basically is now our co-chair of our board, classroom champions, Lee McLean, like uh, Calgarian here. Yeah. Um, you know, and then through that web of all of that, like through the web of, we've had, again, a bunch of, you know, guy who's the CEO of Petron Canada was on our founding board here in Calgary. And it was basically because I, you know, I was working a project for him and got to be friends and Mark Fitzgerald and, I kind of said, like, you understand that if we bring this to Canada, like, you have to sit on the port, right? Like, he kind of got voluntold. Um, <laughs> and Mark is the, you know, one of the smartest guys I know and, and also generous. And he said, yeah. So, you yeah, that's and that's Calgarians, right?
0: So let's take a, a compatriot or a, a peer of Dave's, Malcolm Gladwell, He's, the tipping yeah. point. When was yeah, the tipping Malcolm wrote
1: the, Malcolm wrote the cover for Dave's book, yeah.
0: Right. Now, yeah. Uh, help me out. Were Dave, was it Dave? There was a Dave that was debating with Malcolm last year at the uh, Sloan Conference or the at the MIT Conference I about so. about uh, early specialization. It's it's absolutely wonderful. It would be right. It would. I'm not send it to, I'm not. I can't remember
1: that one. I mean, I know when the night that for Dave's book launch in New York, Malcolm interviewed yep. him. Not interviewed him at the seventy second 70, Street Y or ninety second ninety second Street Y in New York on the Upper East Side there. Um, but yeah, it's those guys are, they become good. They're both runners, right? He was an old distance runner and Malcolm runs a lot. So, um,
0: so, so to use his term. When was the tipping point for classroom champions? When did it, cause you said, well, now I'm not going to be a consultant. I'm going to do this. Yeah. What happened? What went into that decision? Well, when did it happen?
1: Well, it was, I was sitting in, I was sitting in a parkade downtown and for me it was the tipping point. Like, you know, you have a few of those moments in your life and I had that moment of how I got in a bobsled of which, you know, like, you know, I've got my Tommy John surgery and it was two days after Tommy John surgery when I like was sitting on the couch and had to like, I need to do something else and got into bobsled and that's a whole nother story. Um, but it was, I, I remember I was getting to a parkade and we had just, I just finished a day with a client that i have been working with for a couple years. Mm -hmm. And I liked that. I really liked them and it was a really good day. And, you know, I had been working, you know, volunteering class champion stuff most nights at night. And I was, I remember sitting in the parkade and put my hands on the steering wheel and I was empty. And I just thought, this is not how I want to spend the rest of my life. Like I had, you know, arguably a really good day at work, Um, you know, arguably, or inarguably a really good day at work, actually, even I'd go that far to say, and the, you know, the client got a lot out of it and it was a great session And I didn't care. And for me, that was like, I cannot, and, you know, and at the same time I was making my day rate as a consultant was what my monthly stipend was as an athlete. And, you know, I remember first like looking getting like some of the first consulting checks and it blew my mind. Like it blew my mind. You know, you're talking about Calgary in 2010, 2011, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you know, it was May of 2013. It was May, mid May of 2013. And I was sitting there. I put my hands on the steering wheel, and I just said, "Like, I don't want to do this anymore." And the next day, I went into ha- all of my clients except for one, and said, "You know, I'll find help you find another- somebody else for you know in the next month." But I'm transitioning out. I'm going to go work on this nonprofit I started. And they all knew about the nonprofit because it had already been operating for a couple years in the U.S. and we'd just be casual conversation over coffee with, with sure. them. So. Yeah. yeah, that that was the, that was a tipping point, point. and whether that was the tipping point for Classroom Champions, or whether that was the tipping point for me that made me tip over and fall onto Classroom Champions, and <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm not sure know. that's what tipping point means—not right. tipping and falling, but huh? <laughs>
1: yeah. So, Give yeah, it was it. It, yeah, I would say, yeah, I hadn't. Thanks for asking that. I actually hadn't thought about that one for a while.
0: Well, it because at some point, especially when you're chasing the dream, right, and you know this on so many levels. I'm observing it on so many other people, but when you chase the dream at some point, it's no longer a chase. Now you're living the dream, right? Now it is the dream and it, it, the good, the bad, the ugly. And to your point, the tipping point may not have been, you know, classroom champions is now taken off, but Steve Messler is now involved. This is me. This is what I'm doing.
1: doing This is what I'm doing now. And I think that, yeah, that really helped transform the organization. I mean, we hired other people first just like. You know, many small business owners know, sure. again, whether you're running a, a charity or a, or a for-profit business, you know, the saying goes, make you know, always pay yourself first. That's not ever what happens. <laughs> in like, you know, you're going to work X amount of hours, whether you make a dollar, $10 or, you know, a million dollars. When you believe in something so much and you're starting your own thing, uh, you are, you're the last one you take care of. You're the last one you make sure gets yeah. sleep. You're the last one you make sure gets fed um, you are, because you know, you're just going to work at it no matter what you have. And I think that, um, you know, that was the first six months and then it took, you know, it took a year, like a year and a half, two years until costume champions could actually, you know, give me like a real, <laughs> real thing. So I kept one client, um, not, it was, you know, TransCanada at the time. I really loved working with them. Um, and I kept that one, kept that one client for a year or two, I think it was, um, just so I could keep the lights on a little bit more, but I also was single at the time and I. You know, I I was an athlete before, so it's not I was a bobsledder, so it's not like I was living the, you know, living Richie Rich's life anyway. So,
0: <laughs> uh, before I I move on, I do mm-hmm. the strength to me of classroom champions is the the athlete mentor, and yeah. you have so many good ones. Uh Bridgette Laquette mentioned uh, Akeem. I, I again go on so many, and there's, so many of them are not only are they uh, classroom champions. Uh, mentors, but they're also fast and uh, female mentors, and they're kids sport ambassadors. Like you get the creme de la creme. What what goes in? What's the pitch? What do you say? How do you recruit the mentor?
1: The good news is these days they come to us. Okay. Um, so our so our pitch has been limited, and and we have a three time Olympian who used to be an athlete mentor that is our athlete mentor manager. So she can walk the walk. Uh, I walk the talk better than anybody, um, even better than myself. So, you know, really, but at the end of the day, it comes down to we've all gone to schools and we've all given these talks and we've all been kind of slightly embarrassed about it because like, you know, you don't know what to say and you don't really feel like they're listening and you don't know if you're making a difference. And, um, you know, and but this this gives you the chance to be something in these kids lives and be there in some way, shape or form for the long, for a longer term. And it speaks to all of them like that. They all get, they've all had that experience of going in giving a talk. Kids are excited because they're told they should be excited and then you leave. And, you know, if you were to go back a month later, maybe they would remember they got out of math class that day. Right. And every athlete, whether you are, you know, whether you're geo, um, or whether you are, you know, Bridget Cat or whether you're Steve Messler, who, you know, what kid in Calgary would have known me, you've, you've had that experience.
0: it it is a it's a wonderful group like it it is a wonderful group and and i i just i think the world of the program as you know i think the world of of where you're going and it's just the the neat thing about steve messler as far as i'm concerned is if i miss you for a couple of months and i i catch up with you so much has happened so much has moved forward like it's it's incredible you then
1: then there's the things i've been doing (laughs) yeah exactly uh, right. uh, uh, that's, that's like because that's what i Yeah, uh, so. i
0: see what you're trying to do not on my watch messler not on my watch uh steve messler's our guest by the way sport calgary acts as a resource for sports organizations with a ton of information available on www.sportcalgary.ca learn about community and coaching resources research jobs and of course the latest in calgary sport congratulations sir um you and night train are uh going into the u.s olympic hall of fame do i have that correct you you slightly missed okay so i missed something
1: we were nominated for that nominated we were nominated for it and the women's hockey team from 1998 okay uh, as the american as the proud american i can
0: yeah nagano we remember yeah. I, gotta
1: yeah. do it. I gotta do it yeah. um yeah, the, so the women, the the, the women were uh, Cami Granado and all those actually beat us out for it. So
0: okay, but you were we, nominated.
1: We were nominated for it, which was incredible. We were the only, we were. I mean, it was the 1996 women's basketball team. It was the 1998 women's hockey team. Okay, and it was the 2010 men's basketball team. So we were we were the only one that was kind of like within that tenure, like right on the tenure nose that we just got put in there, which was a, a great honor in itself. And hopefully, you know, hopefully, but everything in sport for me at this point is all gravy. Like I have sure. what I. Sure. I got what I wanted out of it and uh so literally everything else is just but, at this point I want us to just figure out things for the athletes that are dealing with what they're going through today.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Um so, but we, okay, so Hall of Fame still to come. What is yep. fact is it's the just past the 10-year anniversary yep. of Vancouver and the yeah. gold medal of night train. See what you know is I love good nicknames. I hate lazy nicknames, okay? Oh, we'll call them messy. Let's call them Night Train is a fantastic name, right? Fantastic. Yeah. Give me the backstory. I'm, I'm doing this all wrong, but I need to know the backstory on that name.
1: I think, I mean, so when you, when you roll out a, a brand new bobsled, a brand new bobsled is shiny and new. Okay. Because it's got this nice gloss coat on it, the hard coat, they call it. And... Uh, but before you roll out your final version of that, you, the, the engineers for when we were developing sleds, the engineers would, would just put a primer coat on it and then send it out to the track and have us test it because hard coats are expensive. And if you got to make any modifications, you got to like redo it all over again. And so you just throw it out there with the primer coat on. So the train, as we called her, uh, <laughs> the train came out, she, the crane came out and she was, she had this, she just had this like black matte primer coat on it and we were testing in park city it was october of in october of 2008 and it wasn't i mean it was just a slide at that point and we you know we were sled testing and you're going down the hill and you're using one sled, the other side one sled, the other sled, did it you know for for a week on end and this thing was way faster than our current slide hmm. two tenths of a second faster which was like bonkers in a place like park city which, you know, that's the difference between, like, that's the difference between losing, this, losing the Olympics by half a second and winning the Olympics by half a second. Um, and we were like, great, this is like, this is our new sled. Let's put it in the crate and we're going to send it to Europe for World Cup. And the engineers were like, Bob's, Bob Cuneo, our sled, our sled builder, was like, well, no, we got to, he had this, you would talk like this and he would, this a big, big, tall engineer. And he'd, no, no, we got to send it to Connecticut and get the hard code on it. We're like, no, 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 no. Uh-uh no. He's like, no, it'll be ready in January. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like we're not going to Europe with a sled, with an inferior sled. So make a short story even longer. So we are in Lake Placid with this thing. We ship to Lake Placid because then we got to, we got to do some training there. And Cuneo texts me a picture on drawn on a napkin <laughs> and it was the logo. It was the logo of the night train and he had the night train and he texted to me. And he was like, I woke up in the middle of the night and there, Harley Davidson used to have a bike called the Night Train and it was Matt Black. Yeah. And he was in, you know, Kuhn was a was a was a motorcycle fan. And that's where he came up with it. And he woke up in the middle, he was one of those guys whose his brain just runs. He's such a smart guy that he like had his pen and paper or a little napkin next to his bed and he just woke up in the middle of the night and scribbled this thing down and turned it into a decal and the sled shows up. Maybe that was, yeah. I mean, he texted me the idea and then the sled shows up and we thought it was amazing. But of course he wasn't there. He was in Connecticut and the sled shows up with this big sticker on it. And it says the night train. And I called him. up, was like, you know, Bob, the guy, you could hear just like his heart sank. He was like, oh my God, I named these guys sleds and sled and they hate it. And we were like, dude, this is awesome. <laughs> and ever since then, and then we would tell people it was, uh, they like, they'd never seen a mat a mat painted bobsled before and they thought it was like what kind of paint is that and we came out and we just crushed everybody for a little while and they like they were like what is like what is that like what's the paint and steve holcomb uh who's since passed away an old teammate holky would say to them oh it's like it's it's, you know it's top secret like nasa like we work with we do some partnership with nasa and (laughs) yeah like and it was and meanwhile the bottom of the sled was getting like like, you know, primer coats aren't made for, you know, wear and tear. So the bottom of the sled's getting beat to hell because we got, you know, stuff in the trucks and all that. And we were telling people it was a NASA paint and it was a primer from, you know, <laughs> thing down the street. And when they went to paint it in the summertime, they were like, all right, we're going to put the hard coat on it. we're like, no, 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 no. So they found a, they found a matte hard coat. And we were like, you know, we said, as long as it's not going to ruin the aerodynamics, you know, as long as the, the hard and you're like, is the hard coat faster? And he's like, no, it, the air doesn't actually hit it. it the way that aerodynamics work it, you know, you've seen the cars in the wind tunnel. We sure. used to do the kind oh, of yeah. tests at the time and said, no, it won't matter. I said, well then paint it matte black. So, <laughs> that's
0: that's it's fantastic.
1: It was great, man. Like, it, it was great. We were like, wait a minute. You're no, you're not, we're not going overseas with a slower sled. Like, I don't want to go and get seventh place every weekend. I want to go and win every weekend.
0: There, there is a certain reputation in the uh, the sliding world of the Europeans and and particularly the the Germans and and such that they can be a bit snobbish. Did did it rankle some feathers? Was there uh, you know a few upturned lips because how dare you not have a a finish? You know they were just confused and no one had
1: <laughs> ever, and no one had ever named their bobsled before. Really. Like no, not especially like publicly like that. No, one, no one like. All right. Sometimes you had like you know cute nicknames like you would for your car, but like you don't put like Stan the car on the outside of the car and say my car's name is Stan. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it was like a cartoon. It was, and then we, you know, and then we, being the marketer that I marketer that I am, is we actually we really want. We realized halfway through the season that actually was an identity for us. And we had hats made. And I would, you know, if if we were doing a television interview right now, I would show you the hat that's hanging up in my gym, like down the hallway here in a basement. And we made night train hats. And then as, you know, media, you'd love this. Like we actually went at world championships. We're in Lake Placid in 2009. So February of 2009. So it was the night train's first season. And we actually went in the... We were like a four ring circus, the four of us. So we, but well, we went into the the media center and we had a whole bag of hats, and we just started throwing them out. <laughs> oh, so here we go. We gave them all of our family, and then that was really when the night train got like solidified as that was our thing. And then it became our thing. And you know, it, whenever you're trying to build a business, like yeah. building a business, you need you need your USP, you need your u- unique selling point. So, um, you know, when we showed up at the media summit in September October of two thousand nine, that NBC and the Olympic, US US Olympic Committee do, and COC does the same thing, um, where you bring all the athletes together and you bring all the media yep. together, and you just yep. let everybody knock it out for a day or two. Um, you know, it was it was a it was an identity for us, and we wore it proudly, and it's who we were, um, and we you know we played Guns and Roses Night Train, and, <laughs> um, and we had this thing, and whenever you can have your unique selling point be something that no one else can have. And a, a bobsled with a NASA paint job, it wasn't something the Germans could have. Sure. It wasn't something the Canadians could have. So we were happy. We were happy for them to feel like this sled and the night train was something that they just couldn't beat. And, you know, that's, like, that, that's the thing you go for in sport. You go for not only physical advantages but mental advantages. And if you could put somebody in a position where they just don't feel like they can beat you because of something they can't control. Yeah. That's the that's the most advantageous place to be. If the Flames walk in and they just know that, you know, if Rob Kerr is in goal, like, you just, you can't beat him. He's on a hot streak.
0: Yeah, bad example, but I think we know what you're talking about. <laughs> now, so, uh, obviously, and I'll get to the Olympics in 2010 in a second. Was that copied by other people? Because... It's such an organic story, Steve. Like, n- nobody ever started off with the, boy, we've got to find something cool that we could link Guns N' Roses to and have a bit of swagger with. Yeah. It just yeah. organically happens, right? Did other people-, people try to kind of do it?
1: They did. Um, they did. And, you know, again, it's psychol—it's psychological. And um, most people then would name their sled. And it was, again, it was kind of like a dirty little secret that you named your sled as a driver maybe before. Like, you didn't tell anybody else about it, but it was yeah, kind yeah. of like. Yeah. You had in your head because it was kind of a fun kid-like thing, and then it, all of a sudden, now you go and like you know ask Kaylee Humphreys, asks anybody else that like yeah they have they have names to their sleds, which is which is a pretty fun little fun little legacy to have.
0: So you arrive in Vancouver in two thousand and ten. Now you know ten years later, did you arrive as you know favorites? Did you arrive with swagger? Did you arrive as you know? How did you? get to Vancouver? What what was the status of your team heading into that event?
1: Uh, We had won the World Cup season, but we had lost the last few races. Um, We were, Andre, but also we were going against a guy named Andre Lange, who Lange had won the 2002 four-man gold medal. He won the 2006 two-man gold medal. He won the 2006 four-man gold medal. And a week previously to the race, or during the Vancouver Olympics, he won the two-man Olympic gold medal he had never lost. So heading into Vancouver, we, we just, we knew that he was the guy that we needed to beat. Um, but also we were really fast in that track and the, the Whistler track the year before we felt good. Um, you know, we, we said, I think I said in the press conference and our, our team, like I could see Kurt Tomasevich who was my roommate most of the season, like turn and like, look at me, like, why would you say something like that? Which was, I had said, because we had been a 62 year drought for, for the Americans in in that sporting format bobsled is, you know, for better or for worse, whether it's Jamaicans or whatever it is, you know, North Americans know what that is. Yeah. And you know, the American press, that was a good thing for them. And it was a good story to tell. It'd been 62 years since we'd done it. And, uh, I'd said in the press conference, you know, I think if we just do what, if we do our jobs, we win. And that was an interesting difference that we didn't have four years before when we were supposed to be a medal favorite and we wound up getting seventh place. Our team did. And, uh, So I think whenever you're in a a place of confidence where the actually the all we have to do is just do what we know how to do and we can win it. We don't have to do anything special. Right. We just we just got to do our jobs and we win. That's a it's a really comforting place to be.
0: What was the hardest part on that day for you? Um,
1: You know, the race is two days. So they have, they're very different, right? Like your first day you walk in with, you know, a complete, both, you know, question mark as well as hopes and dreams. And, you know, we walked away after day one, we were ahead by 39 hundredths or four tenths, which again is like that much time. But in bobsled, four tenths of a second is you're up. That's, that's you're up by, you know, you're up by seven goals going into the third period. Yep. Um, And to go to bed to go to bed when you know the next day all you have to do is go to sleep and wake up and you're going to and all you have to do is not you know not mess up yep. and you're going to get the childhood dream right it's like, you know it's like going to bed on christmas eve and you know they bought you saw the transformers box in your mom's <laughs> in that shelf in the closet
0: it's a fate complete
1: and you know that it's there. Like yeah. You, yeah. You know you saw it through the bag because yes. you were looking for Christmas presents, <laughs> and and all you had to do was just get through the night and wake up in the morning, and then you're you know the thing you've been wanting the whole year is there, and that's what it felt like. Um, it was a really it felt like Christmas morning to wake up on day two of the race, and just be so excited to go bobsled, and you know get to maybe go do this thing. So yeah, it was it was it was I can I, I can so vividly remember it. it
0: was, what was the kind of weirdest craziest nuttiest out of left field congratulations you got after that was there a an old baseball coach or somebody that like i always knew you'd do that you know was there anything
1: like that um
0: i mean conventionally who do you hear from when you win a gold medal like
1: You, you hear from every yeah i mean every person who you may have you know interacted with for the past 20 years okay And that was cool. It was cool that people felt connected to it. Yeah. It was cool that, that like, it was cool. It was really neat that for one morning, like we competed Saturday night, um, you know, and NBC in in the States, like held our thing for the, like the prime time end of the broadcast. They kept pumping at the whole broadcast and then, you know, that kind of thing on tape delay through there. Right. And, um, but what was really neat, I think probably like the most I, I don't remember, though, like the weirdest because I just remember there's a few moments of like, oh, my God, like, wow. Right. Wow. And one of those times was like to wake up Sunday morning and realize that every single sports newspaper in the country had us on the cover of it. Every single is probably an exaggeration, but like but from, them, most, uh, you know, yeah. most it, you know, whether it's your hometown, it wasn't just your hometown paper right. and the, you know the city that the you know the race was in. This was the overwhelming majority of newspapers, and you know, which was still a thing back then. Um, newspapers in the country had our, had us on it, and like you know, every like people going into like church on a Sunday morning would go, "Hey, did you see our boys last night? Like that was pretty cool, huh?" Or you know, five days later, we're in New York City and we're on Dave Letterman giving the top ten. And
0: see, that's, I think what I was looking for, Steve, it was, come on. Like,
1: it was things like that. And then we walk, you know, as we walk off and we, as we're standing there waiting for the top 10 and we're Dave letter, like we're Dave Letterman's off, like kind of off to our left because we're about to walk into that thing. And like Letterman like holds up the sports illustrated that we are on the cover of. And we didn't know we were on the cover of sports illustrated until we were two seconds from going on the top 10
0: oh.
1: and Dave holds this thing. And we were like, what? And then it was like, and the bobsled team. And we, you know, we leave. And Tom Hanks was the guest that night. And, oh. <laughs> and you know, we had asked earlier. We had found out earlier when we were down in the green room that Tom Hanks was going to be on that night. And we were like, "Wow, that's like that's really that's cool. Like, can we meet him?" And one of the assistant producers, one of the APs, was like, "Oh, you know, like you'll pass, you'll cross paths with him in the hallway." Which I interpreted as like, "No, we're, we don't introduce Tom Hanks to people like you." Cool. <laughs> I get it. Like, I get it. <laughs> Hanks is Hanks and we're the bobsled team. Like, I get it. And when we finished the top 10 and we were like, okay, like we're going to go, we are going to the Rangers game. The Rangers were hosting us that night. And as we're walking out of the off stage, one of the eight, like that same AP was like, uh, Mr. Hanks has asked if you guys, if you have a little bit of time after the show, he would love to, he'd love to be able to meet you and say hi and say congratulations. And we were like, yeah, I guess, I'm, I guess we can wait. <laughs> and we, they bring us into Hank's green room, which was another learning because what I learned was we were in the like, in the like backup bands. Like we we're, <laughs> were in the green room for the band that that goes on. If the band that they have scheduled that night doesn't show up, <laughs> like we were in the like basement. Like it was literally like ceilings were just over our head and we go up to the Hank's green room and like the band that's actually playing that night was there. I can't remember what that was. And it was a big thing. And, and Hank's comes off and like, you the first 30 seconds they spend, he and Letterman spend talking about us. And those it's those moments that um I remember. I remember him, he was like, Yeah, my 14-year-old son and I were watching, and he was jumping on, he was pushing the couch around the living room, jumping on it. And, you know, Hanks comes in afterwards and he, you know, pulls his iPhone out of his pocket and is like, Hey, could you or Blackberry or whatever? And he's like, Hey, can you take a picture for us? He didn't have an entourage, he was just a dude who like thought it was cool. And, you know, we have this picture on my old, on my old Lousy Blackberry and it was experiences like that, that I think like kind of fortified what this really, how how big the Olympics are. And I think
0: that's the correct answer though, Steve. (laughs) I mean, come on. Well, it brings us,
1: it, I mean, it brings us back to the the current like status of the world today. Like that's how big the Olympics are. Is that like, whether you are, whether you're a kid in a school is in, you know, that's in, like Wabaska and I, you know, I'm there with a gold medal, it means something. Or if you're Tom Hanks, it means something. And like, that's why the, you know, with Tokyo and with the, with, you know, a pandemic happening. And that's why like, it's actually such a big story is because it, it just means something to everybody.
0: Okay. Hold on. Were you a Leno or a Letterman guy growing up?
1: I mean, growing up, I was neither, man. I can't stay up that late. I, mean, I was okay. an East Coaster. Those guys were on at eleven thirty at night.
0: Yeah, I guess. I guess the correct yeah. answer is a Letterman guy. Um, did you get yeah. to? Did you get to meet Biff? No, no, you didn't, eh? No, no, but right. we
1: did get to go press the button that does the uh, the breaking of the glass when Dave would throw the top ten. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. There's, there's little, it's it's across the hallway from the from the backup band's green room. <laughs> Uh, that's fantastic. Literally right across the hallway, and the guy was like, You guys yeah. want to press the break glass button? And we were like, Yeah, that's pretty cool. And There would be other noises that you could press all these buttons in the thing. It was
0: cool. Okay. Um, did did Buffalo become a bobsleigh town for you? Did, it they, did they? They did? It did. A guy named
1: Bucky Gleason, who was. I know dude.
0: Bucky, sure. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. You, kid, oh. you kidding me? He's one of the most prominent sports guys in all of Buffalo. Yeah, totally. Yes. He was the, he was the guy. Yeah. He, so Bucky. Bucky
1: was. Bucky became like. First of all, guy,
0: great name, by the way, right? Like, great, I'd, like to, I, I'd like I'd like you to start sport. referring to me as Bucky.
1: Bucky, I, that's a sports writer's name. Bucky Gleason.
0: Absolutely.
1: Bucky. Um, and Bucky, Bucky's a great writer, and yeah. I mean, Bucky wrote something the day after we won that just made that. Literally, I sat there and wept, sitting in the Olympic Village. Really. Like, sitting in bed by myself, like reading this thing on my laptop. I'm like, wow, um, that was like he told the story so well and told what it meant for me to do something like that for Buffalo. Yeah. And, and the city, like the city just came together and I was able to come home maybe a week or week and a half after, and I got to drop the puck at the Sabres game, which, you know, Buffalo did like, that's the thing that was the thing in Buffalo. That's like, that's what you have. You have the bills and the Sabres. So I got to drop the puck at the Sabres game and I, you know, got the key to the city and I did all these things and like people knew bobsled and that was, uh, that was, it's not like here in Calgary where, bobsled tracks there we all grew up you know everybody here grew up driving
0: sure. Past it. sure
1: so that was yeah that was a really neat thing buffalo like rallied around it buffalo as some sports fans know um buffalo doesn't have the best track record in championship games
0: uh, <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about what could you possibly be alluding to
1: we're not going to talk about 1991 and 1995
0: or 1994
1: no we're not but you know, so it was really cool. Buffalo felt like, you know, I w- and that's what I said to Bucky years before. I was like, look, if I if I win, I want the city to feel like they won.
0: Yeah, How I want cool. that's what I
1: want for Buffalo. Like I want Buffalo to feel like they won. Right. And they did. And they like still to this day, like it's still to this day when I go back and and, you know, we talk people talk about it. They like remember it, that like we won. And that was that was pretty neat.
0: It, it's cr- crazy. And I don't mean to rub salt. Um, the first the first <laughs> so, game so, that but, I ever did in Buffalo, with the Flames and the Sabres, the first intermission, I went to get a pop, and I was standing listening to two guys that worked upstairs in the press box, and they were arguing about whether or not Brett Hull's skate was in the crease. And I could not believe it. Like, it it was such a Buffalo thing. It's not like I went up and said, hey, guys, what do you still think about this? I had nothing to do with it. (laughs) I just was there, and they were arguing, like... I, I did not spend a lot of time in Buffalo, but I loved every second well, I spent there.
1: That's great to hear. Buffalo will – Buffalo, what's like, – you need to time mark this one for me. Let me know exactly <laughs> where this is so I can say that with Buffalo. Um, like, I mean, my only question would be, were they arguing about whether it was one foot, whether it was, whether it was like – 10 inches into the crease or 15 inches into the crease. They were, was they, were it was it they,
0: they were in agreement. It wasn't an argument so much as yeah. they were they were kind of self-loathing it together. Yeah. We,
1: yeah no, we I mean there is there's a t-shirt that like one of the t-shirt companies of Buffalo had made and it was um wide right no goal forward lateral buffalo screwed again. <laughs> and the the ford lateral's the Music City Miracle. Yep. That that forward lateral that was thrown.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, okay, so one crazy only I can think of a question: How many, yeah. how many jerseys did you collect post Olympics from puck drops and ceremonial first pitches and things like that? Because you would have got one from the Rangers, right?
1: No, we didn't do a puck drop with the Rangers. They just hosted
0: us. Okay, um, but you did one with Buffalo. I did one with Buffalo. Did threw the first pitch out of the Cleveland
1: Indians game for July Fourth. Through the through one at first pitch out of the Buffalo Bisons opening game, which is like our AAA team in Buffalo. Um, and if you want to see something awesome, the Buffalo Bisons, their Wednesday afternoon logo is a chicken. They're the Buffalo wings.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's beautiful. it's so brilliant. It's,
1: isn't it? My favorite hat. It's the thing fa- I got it. my sister and I bought all the hats. I knew when we went back <laughs> to Buffalo. And we realized that was a thing. This <laughs> of um, yeah. And then the Florida Gators I got thrown out there.
0: Really? So was, yeah, oh, wow.
1: Five. Well, we got to, you know, I get to, what, probably one of the coolest things is well, you got to ride an f sixteen. That was clearly the coolest thing.
0: Hold on. Wait a minute. what? No. Yeah. No, I would remember you
1: in no. a fighter
0: jet. I'm positive of that.
1: It was we got to go. a woman named a girl named Shannon Barkey, who is a who is a a mogul skier, like two thousand two silver bronze medalist, silver medalist in two thousand and ten bronze medalist. she her and her husband were friends with a fighter pilot in Salt Lake. This guy got, you know, shipped to Phoenix. Um, to Luke Air Force Base, and he invited us down, and we got to, myself and Kurt Tomasevich, one of my night training teammates, and then um, Shannon, a guy, uh, a Brian, a skier, got to do, we, got, we we got to speak to the base, we went and visited the troops, we did all kinds of things, and then I got to take an hour and 45 minute joyride in an F-16 over the Grand Canyon. <laughs> we dropped down below the, you know, basically below the deck at Lake Powell, you know, and like, you know, booted around through the things, and broke the sound barrier and you could, they let you fly it. Um, the guy's like, you want to fly? I'm like, yeah, yes, I want, yes, I want to fly. And I'm like, what shouldn't I do? He's like, we're at 14,000 feet and I can grab the stick at any point. You can do whatever you
0: want. Um, and
1: just started booting it back and forth. Um, before that was before I threw up the first time. Um, and then, <laughs> but they give you little baggies. They expect, <laughs> you. um, yeah and you know I got to take my dad to the Daytona 500 where we were uh like Grand Mar like did a bunch of Grand Marshall stuff cuz Jeff Bodine was a yeah. NASCAR driver who was very like invested a lot in bobsled and our sleds were named after him and he got the guy Bob Cuneo, who I was talking about earlier he was one of Jeff's racer like uh, engineers and he moved him from the race car, from the NASCAR team to go build a bobsled because Jeff watched the Olympics in 1992 and said and said wait a minute those guys are using the Americans are using Swiss-made bobsleds. Like, of course, the Swiss aren't going to be giving these guys the good equipment. I need to do something. And Jeff went and invested six figures and built us a basically built us a bobsled team, bobsled program. And we, and you know, in 2002, they won their first medal in a Bodine sled. And then in 2010, we won the first gold medal in four-man in a Bodine sled.
0: No, so, no. See, no. Again, a couple things. I, you think you've told me these things? You've never told me <laughs> that. That is. That yeah. is amazing. See, really? when you told the Letterman story, I'm going, "Oh, that's nice." My pal Steve got to go on Letterman. That was probably it, and they forgot about him the next day. <laughs> Clearly, that's not how it works.
1: Yeah, it. Um, yeah, we. It was. It was an amazing. It was an amazing experience. You know, we went to three White Houses throughout sport. Like after each team, yep. after each Olympic team, we bring you there. Um, you know, back when that meant something that I'd be proud of, um, and today. Like, you know, you, you, I look back now and who gets to do that? Um, You know, who gets to do those things? And I, you know, I moved to Calgary in 2003 and, you know, this is my, you know, my medal. You know, I said at the main dish, the, the, like I left Vancouver on the Tuesday after the Olympics, the closing ceremony was Sunday. I left Vancouver on the Tuesday because we went to Lululemon was one of our sponsors, Mm -hmm. personal sponsors. We went to buy the Lululemon office on Monday and like Chip Wilson and all these other folks were there and we get to share a medal. Flew to Calgary Tuesday, and then Tuesday night, my best friend and his wife picked me up, uh, still this, you know, he's my, one of my best friends to this day, they picked me up at the airport, and we went straight to the main dish, and we, like, Jason had closed off an area for us, and it was night, it was after everything closed, and we had the metal sitting in, candle candlelit everywhere, there was about 12 of, like, my, my best friends, right in Calgary, and and it was really neat to have Calgary celebrate it, um, too. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and that's really, that's where I wanted to go. And, and boy, I had this great story and I was going to connect the two of us and the dots and everything. And then you tell me you're on Letterman and you flew uh, it flew, flew in an with, F-, F.
1: Go for it. I will act. I so will act the, do
0: you time. remember the first time you and I met? You won't, but I do.
1: I mean, it would have been. Was it the show or was it?
0: No, it wasn't.
1: Oh, it wasn't. Nope. Where were
0: we? Cassie Campbell Street Hockey Festival. Oh, there you go. Yep. And I remember, um, Cassie came over and talked to me, and I was doing the to- talking goalie gig. And I think, I think it was the one at the soccer center. The one time we did it at the soccer center. Yep. And Cassie was kind of pointing out the Olympic athletes, and and she goes, "Oh, and that's Steve Messler." And I said, "Oh, I, do I know him?" He goes, "He goes, yeah, the bobsleer." Canadian no no American just one gold and I'm like oh and I thought hmm well this is odd okay and then I'm watching you and you're meeting all these kids and you pulled out the medal and that blew me away like I I don't think I had a verse I'm not saying you invented it I'm just saying I to that point hadn't seen something like that and you said hey kids you want you want to see the medal and you were showing these kids this medal at this at this street hockey tournament i just i thought the world about it was the greatest thing i'd ever seen i uh, i like like it was it to me as a well you know it's us versus them and the yankees and you know all this here's this guy who lives in calgary won a gold medal and he's sharing it with calgary kids because it's the olympic dream and that's what this is all about this isn't about waving a flag or anything like that this is about inspiring kids i just thought it was one of the most incredible things i'd seen
1: Uh, it's awesome to hear thank you i mean it's i'm humbled that you would remember that especially through the mask and having to talk over the thing I'm
0: yeah it was a lot of work <laughs>
1: yeah it um you know and you know and i think i learned i learned that actually i learned that through cindy clausen and you remember cindy a speed skater yeah um, for sure spoke champion chats last year and uh, you know just one of the nicest and sweetest people yep. out there and we were at a fundraiser after the 2006 olympics which was her olympics you know that was yep. like that was her. Every Canadian knew Cindy Clausen. Um, and we went to a fundraiser where we were curling. It was herself, myself, uh, Stu McMillan, my old coach, and, um, and and Derek Robinson, maybe the the sports like for the Canadian speed skating team at the time. And we go and Cindy, Cindy, you know, humble, humble. Cindy didn't bring any of her six medals. And you know, this is like two weeks after the games, after Torino. And I was like, dude, where is it? she? Was and you know, of course, Cindy's she's. Yep she's, you know, or she's so humble. She's like, you know, I didn't want to, I don't want to feel like I'm bragging. And I, and I, and I just said to her, you know, sin, like it's, it's like, you have this, you have these things you get to give people. And I was of course at that point just devastated because I didn't get my medal in Trino and you know, I was having a really hard time with it at that point and had had a hard time with it for a long time after that. And it was that day I was like, you know, if I ever get that and it wasn't, it was, it was just, I realized how much, it would have meant to people, and I said, you know what, if I ever get one of those, I'm going to bring that thing with me to as many things as I can and just share it with people. And, you know, you, you just, like, you put that in your head, and then all of a sudden you have it, and you're like, oh, yeah. And sometimes it's a little embarrassing. Like, you sure. know, sometimes, sometimes you're like, oh, people, you know.
0: But I don't think I've ever seen an athlete go, hey, do you want to see my medal? Oh, by the way, I'm a medal winner. Do you want to see my... What I saw, especially from you that day, and, and I'm sure I had seen medals before, and I'm sure yeah. I'd touched them, but what I hadn't seen was somebody from another country going here, kids. This is what it's all about, and this isn't about no, no, no. I want it. This is about look what you can do, look what we yeah. can do, look, look. This is what it's all about. This is what being in yeah. sport is all about. I thought it was fantastic.
1: It's thank well, thank you. It's and, and, and it's hard. It's a hard thing for athletes to do. Because we're not we're not used to it, especially Olympic athletes like you yeah. didn't Olympic athletes, you know ninety nine percent of them did not get into this for the money or the fame. Sure. So you generally don't take the fame. You always take the money really well, but you don't take the fame very well. Um, and not that there's a lot of money that comes with it, so it's not like there's a lot to get used to, but you, but you take the you have a hard time with the fame aspect, and I think sometimes it's actually harder. Not actually, it is a hundred percent harder for. of those Olympians to bring their medal out with them and share it with kids, then it would have been to leave it home and not. And it's a weird thing to say, but it's just that if you didn't do something for that, you have a hard time with that.
0: Just a couple more for you, you know, and we still haven't never got to the bottom of how a kid from Buffalo ended up in a bobsled. That's okay. Oh, but you can, so are you a bobsledder or a bobslayer?
1: I mean, I'm definitely a bobsledder. I mean, I'm still, okay. I'm still American.
0: No, no, I understand that. I just wanted to make that. So here's <laughs> the thing, and this sounds like a cheeky, smart-ass comment, but I'm very serious about this. How do you connect with your sport once you've retired when there isn't beer league bobsleigh or there isn't – you can't go and coach the minor league team in town and – You can't go to old timers day or anything like the alumni sled tournament or anything like that. How do you stay connected with the sport? Because once your last run is literally your last run, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yes. You stay connected through people. You stay connected through the people. Yeah. You, you had these people you went to war with. If they were on your team, you had these people who you went to war against, um, which is fantastic um, and that's how you stay connected. And, you know, we would do charity rides and I've done plenty of those in Calgary or done plenty of those where we, you know, do an auction at a charity and, you know, you can, you could always you know, used to be able to always go to COP and do a ride.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah.
1: And, but you couldn't go and pay, you couldn't go. And it wasn't like right, taking a hill, ride down a hill with Olympic gold medalist in the sport wasn't an experience that you could purchase at the hill. So you would auction that off, raise money for charity around Calgary and other places in the continent too um but generally otherwise the connection is is just through the people that you meet just like most other things you know a lot of people don't go back they're all in how do they keep in touch with their roommates that they were friends with and they're still friends with today yeah yeah you miss it i miss the guys i miss sitting in i sit miss sitting in cortina day in petso italy and drinking a cappuccino you know at noon because we had to be at the track at you know, 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. to get started because it had to be cold in the morning because the because the old track there. And I, I miss those parts of it. I miss the experience. I, I do not miss going down the hill. I do not miss being sore and bruised every single day in certain parts of your body that are just your forearms and other spots that are sore the whole season. Yeah. Um, I don't miss warming up in minus 20 degree weather in five layers and then going inside sweaty and changing and then having to go out and push a bobsled and move it. I don't miss any of that. I don't miss waking up at 6 a.m. and being your own pit crew or standing runners. But um, but I miss the guys and I miss getting in the sled. I miss getting in the truck and being able to drive from Altenburg, Germany, which is an outside an hour south of Dresden. I miss getting in the truck, again, before GPS on your phone. I miss getting in the truck and being able to get from, you know, old East Germany to Laplan, France without a map, <laughs> like in a sled truck. And knowing 14 hours knowing how to get there <laughs> you like know, i miss that i miss that that's what i miss like those are the things like
0: it's crazy because the first one of these, the first original six feet conversation podcast we did was with katrina and i yeah. asked her what you know she missed speed skating yeah. and she said i miss my teammates i miss and she went on to her list of european stops and the things that they did and you know i've talk to no shortage of professional athletes and it's you know what do you miss the most i miss the locker room i miss the guys what is it about us as adults with youth sport as coaches why don't we why can't we get over ourselves and 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 give those opportunities to young kids why do we have to over organize
1: yes i mean first of all i'll say i'm sure katrina i'm looking forward to listening to it because i'm sure she said it much more articulately than i than i was able to um, she's it
0: involves just, crashing a wedding
1: sure I mean I could go into some of those stories but I, <laughs> I spend too much time pontificating and other things yeah oh I mean yeah Cats. amazing so she's amazing and it was like those are the kinds of people too I miss going to the Olympic Oval because we used to train in the Oval when I moved here I yeah. didn't we'd go to COP we trained at the Oval for many reasons not the least of which we were the American bobsledders you know Training at COP, that didn't work out well. But the speed skaters, I miss being around the speed skaters. And, yeah. you know, and Clara and Christina Groves and, and Cindy and, and uh, you know, everybody who, who was there over those years. And all the hockey the hockey girls were there. Haley and Cassie and Kelly Bouchard and all these others that, um, you know, just amazing people that we did things with all summer long. Um, but I think that we tend to remember or t- we tend to see as adults, right? We see organized sports. That's the only thing we see, like, on television, so of course that's the way it should be Yeah. As opposed to understanding that like that is, that's not even actually the goal. Like the lead, the NHL isn't actually the goal. The goal is this like incredible day-to-day experience um, that you want your kids to have. That's the goal. Like the, like you don't even call going to NHL to me like a goal for a kid. Like that's not a goal. Like no. that, that's no. not even a thing. Um, you, you, you tell the goal that like, these kids like have that kind of experience so they can look back and they would say like, what's well, your favorite part of youth sport. It wasn't that like I won the state title. It was that I, you know, I did this and this and this, and I learned these things. Um, you know, it wasn't that like we won provincial, you know, provincials and then went over to do this other thing.
0: So, yeah, it's, I love it. I just love you know, that. That's the universality of sport. That no, we great. can all talk about that. Right. We all have those memories.
1: Well, and I think that exactly, we all have those memories. And I, and I think that
0: we, like,
1: that is what we spent 99% of the time doing, right. too. So I think it's also it's much to human nature. Like, I spent, of my sporting career, I spent point zero 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 one percent of it winning a gold medal. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that, that, I mean, that, that's the fact of the matter. So shockingly, the thing that I remember most is sitting in a van for 14 hours. It's the journey. Uh, it's, it's the journey, and the, that's the thing that you experience the most. So, of course, as a, as human nature is that you you would, you know, solidify those things as much as, like, you know what? Like, my knees would hurt as I would sit in a truck for so long. And there's all those things that I'm sure were terrible about it that yeah. I hated sitting in the sled truck that whole time. But, boy, I miss it.
0: Oh, I bet. Um, look, one of the things we're doing on this program, because when, when this is all over and we, we come out, one of the things we're hoping is that, We would have given some things for people to think about. And when we're back to normal, they can try. So I've been asking everybody, give me, and I'm not putting any parameters on it. Give me your hidden Calgary gem. What is that hidden gem in Calgary? I'm not putting any parameters. I already have my answer. I already have my answer. You have your answer? Give it to me.
1: The brunch at Cleaver on 17th.
0: Really? Yeah. Wow. You are the most decisive answer so far. I everybody nobody
1: I talk to knows about this place for brunch and it's the best breakfast in the city. Those people like we like I take we take Brett our daughter two and a half year old and now like I've gotten her so used to it we go back every time we every time we walk in there we went go and say hi to the chefs and there's the same the same guy who actually just got promoted a head chef so like go to you I mean once once we're through this yeah let's remember let's remember our local restaurants and help yeah. get them back. Um yeah. you know I would not say go there and support them right now um i think that we have to be smart and we have to you know figure out what we're you know what how we're going to act as a society for a little while or a long while but but it'll come back so yeah i I mean i think that little you know it's just those little it's like little things of calgary i could you know there's you know i love fly fishing so i go but that's outside of calgary but like right now those are the things i'm thinking about i'm thinking about like you know our like you know the the woman who like you know cuts my hair every month like what are they what's she gonna do um you know like and how are they gonna you know she just went out on her own um whether you were at a you know at a chain place or not it's you know it's gonna be really tough for all these people for a long time so that's i'm proud to say that my hidden gem is is you know you can make reservations online like you can get resos there you don't have to wait in line and it's the best breakfast in the city no offense to all my other favorite places but like i will Put a Cleaver, I'll put a buff the the buffalo chicken Benny up against any other breakfast in town.
0: done. i'm gonna I'm gonna go there. Um, well, before I hang up on you, uh, just give me a little uh, call to action, little uh, where can we find more about classroom champions uh, and what you guys are doing?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, that's something we didn't get in today, which and thanks for bringing it up. Thanks for being here, like we opened up our curriculum for free um and I, you know i did i did touch on that people can go to classroomchampions.org and you can you know go to get started you can go to teach.classroomchampions.org and get there too um but you know that i think right now that's the most important thing for people to know that's the takeaway i i would love to say you know make sure you support your you know support classroom champions you know we we're, we're going to need this you know we're going to need that um, from a financial standpoint we're all trying to figure that out whether you are a billion dollar energy company or whether you are a you know, a $5 million nonprofit or whether you are a $50,000 nonprofit or whether you're a volunteer nonprofit. You're trying to figure out how you can do it. So, but I think right now, um, yeah, we are, we want to make sure that kids know that people out there still care because social isolation is going to, is going to change their perspective. Like you're talking about an entire generation who now think about that. Entire generation now for the rest of their lives, they understand that it is possible for a virus to contaminate the earth and for it to force everybody indoors. Yeah. Like, they're gonna, that is the baggage they have. That's the baggage they have. If you're somewhere between six or seven and 13 or 14, you don't quite have the ability to, to understand what's happening. You just know that. And I think that's a big fear for me, whether you're talking about trauma on, trauma that happens, um, you know, in, you know, uh, more likely to happen lower se- socioeconomic you know, status areas of the city, or whether you're talking about on reserve, um, or, or now, all of a sudden, every single kid in, in, you know, in, you know, Western, in Western world is going to start at, there's these um, adverse childhood experiences, ACE scores that kids get. And the, the higher the amount of those adverse childhood experiences, the higher the amount of ACEs you have as a child, whether it's like you see your parents be beaten or your you know, parents get into a fight or you're beaten or you're some kind of trauma, yep. every one of those you have, the score goes up. And past four or five, for every one or two, you're talking about, like, incredible increases in, dependence on drugs and alcohol, incredible increases in incarceration rates, all of these things that trigger up, 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 up. And the difference between four ACEs and five sometimes is the difference between, like, a significant difference in your life outcomes. And every kid starts at one now. Think about that. Every kid that started, started at zero, every kid started at one. So this is a, this is like, they are all now are traumatized by the the reality that we're all traumatized by, right? Like this is now something that is no longer science fiction. This is now something that is, um, you know, this is our new global warming, except for it's right now. This is not a 50 or hundred or 200 year problem. Like, and I think that's the thing that concerns me the most. So to me, one of the biggest fixes for that is things like classroom champions, that can make sure kids during this time, they get that there's people out there that care about them because they're not going to get to meet them anymore. They're not going to see them. All of a sudden, their teachers, their principals, their the janitor in the hallway, these people that were friendly faces in school every day and their friends are now all out of their lives for a little while. Um, so I think we have to pull together and realize that. We have to, that's where, I mean, I'm calling, like, I, you know, the flame, you know, we, sh- we need to call call the flames to action. We need to call stamps to action. Wherever these guys are, they can do things with Classroom Champions, just like we were talking to the Buffalo Bills right now about how do we do this for the Western New York community? How right. do we do this for Albertans? And I talked to Lois Mitchell just the other day, and we were talking about how do we, what can we do? Like, we have this platform. What can Classroom Champions do now to, to help it be a place that people can go? So I think that's a, <laughs> you, you know, I mean, that's a very long answer. Like most of my answers have been today, but I've been, it's been a long few days. Um, and, uh, that's, those are the things that are on my mind right now from a kid development work we do at classroom champions, the Olympic world is a whole different world. I have concerns over when it comes to our athletes and our safety and what athletes are doing. If you check out the medium post that I wrote recently, um, that dives into a little bit as that uneven playing field, there's that whole thing out there, but then there's this like more, even, even more important thing to me, which is what happens to a generation that. For the rest of their lives, they understand that a virus can take over the planet and force all humans inside. Yep. As I explode my head <laughs> on, audio, on audio right now.
0: No, look, that, dude, d- this... For people. Think about that. Well, this is exactly why I'm proud to call you a friend. I mean, that is... It's well put, and it's it's where we're at, and I just thank God that you're there and, and doing what you're doing, and and I'm, I'm thanking God you, you picked Calgary to be to do this and really proud of you um, would really wanted to rag on you about not bringing up David Letterman earlier, but I can't do that now uh, because you gave a really thoughtful answer. Okay. So well,
1: I <laughs> th- no, I mean, Rob, like, thank you. I mean, we're like one, you know, we're, we're now, we're partnering with Six Six nation because of you, like we are partnering with Six Six nation Calgary foundation is supporting. Um, you know, we've got other, other things out there to try to get something to, to not try to, we are now getting something off the ground um, with our good friend, Tyler White. Yep. Um, and what they're, you know, he's going, he's, you know, president of health services out at Sixica, like he's, he's got his hands full for quite a while now. Um, but it was important to him. It's important to him, to get good people in front of his kids. So things like that, Rob, you're doing, and not that we said, not that we came on the show to like, to brag on each other, but, but, um, you know, you know, I hope you're proud of the, all the stuff and went to leadership. When I went to leadership day, I was amazed to see that. And again, when we think about it, that wouldn't be possible right now. Um, so thank goodness we got that in. Thank yes. that you get you gave you gave those kids that start in their mindset they they can think back to those days, hey, remember how much fun that was when I got to go and hang out with a hundred kids like you know hundreds of kids, hundreds of my friends. It's gonna be a little while until I get to do that
0: well, and I would say it too that that we're looking around it's probably a good thing we're teaching young people how to be leaders and and talking about leadership, and you do it, and I do it, and there's a void of it, and there's lots of good managers and there's lots of good you know bosses, but how many real good leaders are there out right and I think you know, what you do with your mentors and classroom champions is part of that. What Hockey Calgary does in Leadership Day, what Tyler's doing out at Ciccica, we got to celebrate the leaders. And, and I'm hoping in the podcast, that's what we're doing is we're talking to leaders, right?
1: It sounds like you are. I think you are. I mean, thanks for doing this. I think it's a great thing. I think that uh, we want to bring light to we want to bring, you know, shine a light on the people in this city that are doing some awesome stuff because there's a lot of people. Yeah. And, they're, and we need to shine a light on them because those are the people that we're going to really need to step up even more. Sorry, everybody. Um we're all going to need to step up a little bit more or a lot bit more. And we need to work with, you know, work with everybody around here. Cause it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be an interesting ride and hopefully everybody's going to, you know, make it through the whole thing. Thanks brother. All right. Thank you, Rob. Thanks for all you're doing.
0: The one, the only Steve Messler, classroom champions, uh, president, CEO, co-founder, Olympic gold medalist in 2010. And uh, the only person I directly know who's done a top 10 on David Letterman, and flown in a fighter jet. Uh, he is a cool, cool dude. Uh, you heard there towards the end his passion. Um, th- this isn't a lark for him. Classroom champions isn't something to to just pay the bills and keep the lights on. He truly believes in the mission. He truly believes in making a difference in a child's life and, and in a very important way. And if you can, check it out. You heard it. They are going to adapt the program so they can be used here for for parents at home that they can participate in it. Uh, can't wait to see what that looks like. Can't wait to get started with that. So I make sh- make sure you do that. Will you make sure you you check out Classroom Champions and and see what Steve and his his outstanding athlete mentors are up to? Um, boy, that was fun. Oh, I love me a good long conversation. That was a good long conversation. Yeah, you, know, you might have had to pick it up in three or four parts, perhaps uh but boy we got into some stuff and it's cool listen thank you so much for downloading this thank you so much for being part of what we're doing here at sport calgary it, it's just a, a, a short term project as long as we're all sitting at home uh, with nothing to do uh, why not do something positive and constructive i'm proud and uh, honored to be a part of the sport calgary board and, and this is my way of giving back helping out doing this podcast and putting it together um and i'm glad you you've taken the opportunity to download it if you enjoyed this conversation please let somebody else know please share i know the old podcaster line is go to itunes and give us a five-star rating we need the five-star we, we do i'm sure we do need the five-star ratings but more importantly right now with everything going on if you enjoyed steve messler and you're going to share it with you fr- i just love that. that that's great we've got really positive feedback uh on the program so far we we're hoping and, and we're going to be bringing you some really cool guests um neat guests big name But small name people that maybe you didn't know, and that's the best part about podcasting. Uh, It doesn't matter who they are. Uh, We're going to spend some time, and hopefully when you're done, you're going to know that person, and and they're going to be part of your network now. They're going to be part of your Calgary, and you'll know what they're up to. Thank you. Take care of yourself continue to do the things that will keep us all safe continue to do the things that will get us out of this as soon as possible uh please check out sport calgary uh wait for the next one to drop and uh, i look forward to it thank you so much for listening this has been an original six feet conversation podcast for sport calgary